listening to The Lord is My Shepherd, the first in a series of sermons on Psalm 23, preached at Hocus and Baptist Church in the winter of 2008. And now, Pastor John Boulay. Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. And if you have a bookmark, you can put it there for the month. That's where it will be. <clears throat> As you turn there, uh, I have a reflection about the Psalms uh, that, that I notice. I notice it in my own life, and I notice it in the lives of those around me. That for many of us, the Psalms have, uh, do now or have at some point in our lives felt like drudgery. That there are some of us here who love the Psalms, but there are others here who, once you get to the middle of the Bible, it's kind of like, page real quick to the Gospels. And I, I certainly can identify with that. I grew up uh, the earlier part of my faith. I struggled to read the Psalms or to own the Psalms. <clears throat> and this is why I think that is. I, this is the reason I think that uh, the church, now more than ever, reads Psalms the least um, in this day and age. And I think it's this, that one thing the church has done pretty well, at, at least churches like ours, is we have taught our believers and our Christians to go to Scripture to learn. That's what we, we teach people. So when, when you want us to know about a story, the details of a story, you go to the Bible and you read. When you want knowledge, you go to Scripture. If you want answers or direction, you go to Scripture, to the teachings. If you want to learn, you go to Scripture. We generally go to Scripture to get something. I think that's probably an attitude of, of our era of church is not get things materially necessarily, but when we read scripture, we're going there to gather information or gather answers or increase our knowledge. We go to scripture to get. And that was certainly um, the case in my life. The problem is, is that makes the Psalms fairly incompatible with the way we read scripture. If we read scripture to get you will find yourself going to the Psalms and finding yourself dissatisfied. When I went to the Psalms, I went there thinking that the Bible was about stories, and so the Psalms fail me. If we go to the Psalms, or if we go to Scripture, thinking about it, that it's about information or teaching, and we go to the Psalms, the Psalms will let us down. If we want some theological doctrine, the Psalms will come up short. Every time we go to the Psalms, reading the Scriptures the way we read the other sources of Scripture, the books of history, the Gospels, the teachings, and the letters of Paul, if we read the Psalms with the same eyes, we're going to go into Psalms and come back wanting. I liken it to this, that it's just not worth the effort. At least in my old, my old thinking, um, I, I have come to embrace the Psalms in recent years, but before, I just thought that the work required to read the Psalms just wasn't worth the bang. And I know that's the case. I know that's the case because when uh, either teaching in a Sunday school class or speaking, and I say something like Psalms or prayer, and they're one and the same thing, really, 
I see eyes glaze. I see shoulders fall. <sighs> Here we go again. Because we, we don't find the richness of the psalm when we go to the psalms to get. I'd like us to think of the psalms as a place that is less concerned with giving us something and it's more concerned with allowing us to meet somebody. I may learn about the Lord and about Jesus Christ all over the Bible, but when I come to the Psalms, I meet Jesus Christ. The Psalms is a chance, it's an invitation for us to have a conversation with the God of whom we've learned so much about, which means when we read the Psalms, when we pray the Psalms, we need to have a different attitude, a different posture as we approach it. So that's what we're going to do this month, is we're going to foster that different attitude towards the Psalms. If you'll turn to Psalm 23, you should already be there. We're going to spend our month in Psalm 23, and one of the reasons we're doing this is because we're in a time of year where there is so much noise around us. We've just come off of this election spin, and it was a season of tremendous noise in our lives. And right from there, we're heading into the holiday season, which is a tremendous season of noise. We have school for many of us. Many of us will be traveling, not to mention the economy. This is a time of so much noise. And so this month is an invitation for us to be still and to meet with the Lord and to hear him speak. And so I encourage you as we, as we head into the, 20, or the 23rd Psalm to not read it to get something, but to read it to meet with Jesus. The Psalms are about making us become somebody, not teaching us something. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we ask you bless our time in your word. <clears throat> Father, meet with us here. Each person in this room is at a different place with you right now. Lord, you see those who are hurting. You see those who are joyful. You see the needs and the wants. And so, Father, you, we ask you that in our spirits as we are able, Lord, we might meet with you this morning and this month and be still and listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to spend... Uh, this morning on the first verse, and I want to avoid the temptation that I feel even as a pastor, which is to teach you about the Psalms. That's the very thing I'm trying to avoid all of us doing, is to coming and learning about the Psalms. So this is the kind of the course we're going to set for ourselves, is the target of each message this month through the 23rd Psalm is to pray. We will, we will use the Psalms for which they were intended. So we will teach about the Psalms, but then we will pray about the Psalms. Every Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about the Psalms, reflect on the Psalms, think about the Psalm, Psalm 23, and then we'll turn our attention to pray. So there will be time this morning that will be spent in prayer. This morning, we're going to spend it in congregational prayer, because the Psalms were spoken prayers. They were prayers of the people, by the people, on, to the Lord. And so that's how we're going to treat it this morning as we head in. But as you look in the 23rd Psalm, I'm going to spend this morning on verse 1 and primarily most of our time, excuse me, on the first phrase of verse 1, which is, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
The first thing I want to call your attention to is the word is. It sounded uh, unfortunately political. I, look at the word is. The Lord is my shepherd. I find that uh, almost above, I'm a big Psalm 23 fan, but one of the beauties of Psalm 23 is it starts with this nearly indefinable calmness and confidence. I don't understand, no matter how often I read it or how much I meditate on it, how in so few words there can, David can give us this confidence in, in the Lord and yet this calm spirit. I'm convinced he wrote at the end of his life because it's so, it seems so settled with how he views the Lord. But there is this word, is. The Lord is my shepherd. And I think it is significant because it is not the Lord might be my shepherd. David didn't write the Lord was my shepherd. He didn't write the Lord will be my shepherd. He did not write that the Lord has at one time been his shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. And whatever God was, David is saying God is. And whatever God will one day be, in all of our anticipation of Scripture, and the second coming of Christ, and the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ in our lives, we can say that it is the same as the God who is. The Lord is our shepherd. He is both the ancient of days and the Christ returning. He is ever-present. And when I say ever-present, I don't mean ever-present so much in the sense that he's everywhere, like he's present in every place. He is forever present. He is forever in the present in our lives. He is always the God who is. This is how the Lord said it when Moses met with the Lord in the mountain at the bush. Moses said, when I go back to the people of Israel and I say that God has sent me, they will say to me, who is this God who sent you? What is his name? And this is what the Lord says in Exodus 3. He says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. That is God saying, I am an ever-present God. There's great confidence in that. There's great confidence when you and I read the Psalms or when we pray that we are praying to a God who is not a God who was, not a prophet who will be, not any kind of teaching that once was and we're kind of reminiscing on its past value. This is a living God who is. And if prayer should start with anything, as we enter into the Lord's presence to pray, we should pray with a confidence that we're praying to a God who is. This is a God who is listening. That should give us great sobriety as we approach the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. <clears throat> the second word, or the word following is, is this the word my. And what I find is, is that David has not only a confidence that the Lord is, but he has a possession of the Lord. He did not say the Lord is a shepherd. He did not say the Lord is your shepherd. He did not say the Lord is everyone's shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is personal possession. God is in some way ours. God is ours. All through the prophets, you'll hear in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, this is a phrase the prophets regularly say when speaking the word of the Lord. The Lord says to the people, I will be your God and you will be my people. God is saying there's an idea of, of there's an attitude of possession. I will be your God. The Lord is my shepherd. Paul writes it this way in the 8th chapter of 
of Romans, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is how Jesus taught it. When the people said, Teacher, how do we pray? He said, when you pray to God, this is what you say. Our Father. God is not only ever present, but we possess Him. He not only is, He is ours. The Lord is my shepherd. And if, any, if prayer should start with anything, it should not only be confidence that we're praying to a living God who is listening, who is concerned, who is there, but it is a God who is ours. This is my God. The Lord is my shepherd. And then we come to this word shepherd. And the best thing I can do with this, the best way that I've been able to reflect as I've meditated on this line for some time now, is that When God is our shepherd, it shows that the possession is not a possession of ownership. It's a possession of relationship. I don't own the Lord. The Lord isn't my God as though I pray and he makes it happen. He's not my God as though he's waiting outside my bedroom window that maybe I might pray and I'll satisfy his longing heart. The Lord is my shepherd. Just like I might say the Lord is my king or the Lord is my God. This is a possession of relationship, not a possession of ownership. We serve the God whom we possess. We worship the God we possess. We follow him. We rely on him. We possess what we worship, and we serve what is ours. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. I call this subordinate possession. This idea that we possess something that is superior to us, that we belong to something that actually is authoritative over us, like a child possesses their parents. The child possesses their father, possesses their mother, but they certainly don't own their parents. And so in Psalm 23, David opens with this attitude of confident, subordinate possession. The Lord is my shepherd. And if prayer should start with anything, it should start with confidence that we're praying to a God who is ours, but to whom we are subordinate to. If you're trying to foster, if you're entering the Psalms, if you're wondering, how do I develop a life of prayer? I would say this. I would say, be of confidence that he is listening and that he is. And I would say, and pray with confidence that he is your God, that he cares about you. That he's listening for your best. And then pray with humility because he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. If In your bulletins, if you'll draw that out now, we're going to spend some time this morning praying about the Lord being our shepherd. In there is a prayer bulletin, and I want you, I, right now I want you to focus your attention on the top half, the, the thanksgivings and the praises. We'll get to the bottom half in a second, but very shortly we're, we're going to take a time of prayer, 
And as we, as we take some time, what I want you to do is a few minutes while the music plays to write down and to meditate on the ways that the Lord has shown Himself to be your shepherd. I want you to think about the many ways in our life that God shows up and says, I am yours. I am your shepherd. And I just want you to write them down. I want you to let that guide the way you would pray. I want you to let that guide your thoughts. I want what you're writing to be written in the sight of God so that he looks down on your piece of paper and says that this is what I am. And so take a few moments and fill that up. If you're comfortable, these prayer cards will be gathered at the end of the service. We have people who have dedicated their Sundays to prayer for us. So if this is things you'd like to share, I encourage you to put your name on them and turn them in at the end of the service. The ushers will collect them. But if you will, bow your head with me as we pray. Father, you see our thanksgiving and our praise to you. As a congregation, we lift them up to you. As a people of God, we remember your goodness. We remember your faithfulness. That you are our shepherd. I'm going to continue to pray, and I ask you to pray with me. And what I ask you to do is, as I finish my sentence, if you would, together as a congregation, respond with the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. We thank you, Lord, for your love, which has saved us from our sins. We thank you, Jesus, for enduring our shame 
and punishment on the cross that we might one day spend eternity with you. We praise you, Lord, for your spirit which remains with us and continues to work in us for your good. We rest in your care and we give you now the messages of praise and thanksgiving. And if you have your scriptures, please read aloud with me the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, if we pray, if we pray the Lord is our shepherd, then this second phrase, I shall not be in want, is really just a therefore statement. If God is a shepherd, we will not be in want. If God is our shepherd, we will not be in want. The Hebrew there is literally, we will lack for nothing. We will not lack anything. Deuteronomy 2 says it this way. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through the vast desert these 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. Do you notice he's, Deuteronomy almost always says, the Lord your God. The writer is saying we possess him, and he provides for us. So often when we pray, our prayers search out God as though we don't know who he is or where he is or whether he's ours. When we pray, the Psalms, the beauty of the Psalms is they bring us immediately to a place where the God to whom we pray is known and is ours. There is no doubt, is the God listening? There is no doubt, is he there? In him there will be no want. John chapter 6 gives this picture of the shepherd and Jesus Christ. Actually, this account in John chapter 6 is in all four Gospels. Jesus is leaving the town and he's trying to retreat to a place of seclusion so he can pray and be with his disciples. He's, he's had enough of the people. But they have not had enough of him and so they follow him out of the town and they follow him way into these deep suburbs or the urban areas and they begin to gather on the hillside. And so it says that he begins to heal them and speak with them. It's like he does not deny them what they search for. So he turns and he preaches to them. And at one point it's getting late and the disciples say to him, they come to Jesus and they say, it's late, teacher. Send the people home. And Mark, the Gospel of Mark says it so well. It says, Jesus looked out and saw that the people were as sheep without a shepherd. And he says this, he says, feed them. Now the disciples turn to Jesus and they go, feed them? 
Essentially, uh, they say, what, are you crazy? And that's how it translates in the message, my message. They go, this would take a year's earnings, and we don't have food any nearby. All we have is this little basket of fish and loaves. But the, what I imagine, so the Lord turns around, our Lord Christ turns around, and he says this. He doesn't say it in these words, but he says this in his actions. He says, that's because you are not their shepherd. I am. And my sheep will not be in want. And so Jesus takes these loaves and these fish, and he multiplies them because he is our shepherd. That passage in Ezekiel that was in that InterVarsity video just strikes me to the heart when the prophet would see that his sheep have been scattered. The Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not be in want. If you look to the bottom of your praise or, or your prayer sheet, I want us to conclude this morning in prayer about the things that we need, the things that we want. Because when God talks about we will not be in want, he's not saying that we, there's not, not things that we won't want, that we won't have desires. When the Lord is our shepherd and we will not be in want, we will lack for no essential thing for which the Lord intends for us to have. And so as we think, as you go through your life right now, and you write down and you reflect with the Lord on the things that you request from Him, on the desires that you pray He fulfills, on the clarity you want on some issue, I pray that you, you write those down with an attitude that we, we are Christians who will not be in want. So please, take a moment and fill that out. pray with me. <clears throat> Father, you see the things we want. Lord, you look down on this list. We present this, this page to you as a confession of our heart, but also as a confession of confidence in the mighty shepherd who is ours that we shall not be in want. As I pray, I ask that you, at the end of my sentences, respond with, I shall not be in want. Lord, you see the things we want.
You see the things we earnestly believe we need. Lord, you see our pain and our hurt. You see where we feel empty, Lord, and you see where we need answers. And so we worship you as our sustainer and our provider, almighty God who is ever-present, God who is ours, eternal shepherd. You have called us to confidently pray. Please close with me as we read the 23rd Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Everlasting, your light will shine with all.